All right, and welcome to the first episode of the Leasing Leah podcast. So after today's guest was crushing it in the corporate student housing world and climbing the ladder at a breakneck pace, she experienced a health crisis. Knowing full well that something had to change, she decided to reinvent herself and her career on her terms. She's the creator of The Mindful Hustle, and her name is Casey Van Zant. Welcome to the podcast, Casey. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Awesome. So let's jump right off. So at the beginning of every podcast, I'm going to be asking all of my guests the same three questions. So let me start off with those first three questions. Casey, what are you currently reading? Ooh, that's a good one. I'm a big reader. Um, I'm actually rereading a book. I read it probably two to three times a year. Um, And in fact, a lot of my one-on-one clients that I'm working with and my corporate clients, I recommend reading this as well. Um, It's called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And um, you basically commit to agreeing to these four agreements, which are very simple. Do you want to hear them? They're pretty awesome. Okay. Uh, The first one is being impeccable with your word. The second one is not taking anything personally. The third agreement is you don't make assumptions. And the fourth is you always do your best. So I personally believe that most um, struggles in corporations and or startup businesses that are in growth mode come down to communication disconnects. So if you can commit to these four agreements, A, you'll feel a lot better about yourself and you'll relieve a lot of any anxiousness or stress surrounding communication. And it basically makes you step up your communication game. So if you can get an entire team um, and or the people that you're working close to um, like kind of on board with these four agreements, it makes for a much more uh, streamlined communication process. So that's what I'm reading right now. I read it two, three times a year. That's just reminders. I love it. So I'm actually rereading a book myself. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it, Sell It Like Sirhant, Ryan Sirhant from Million Dollar Listing New York. Yes. Is so it good? I'm rereading that just because I saw somebody on Instagram that had made all these notes. So I was like, maybe I didn't read it well enough. So and he's got some real, you know, obviously he sells real estate in New York City. He was the number one real estate agent at one time or is now. So he's got some really good stuff for our industry. So um, I actually give that book away at a couple of trainings I do. So I feel like, he, you know, I'm, that's a good one. So I'm rereading that one myself. So maybe we can Who do you follow on Instagram for inspiration? Oh, goodness. Well, Instagram is, um, I'll just say I'm pretty obsessed with Instagram. Um, So if you can't find me, hit me there because I'll be there. (laughs) Um, But for inspiration, kind of what I look towards is more mindfulness and inspirational quotes, not so much related to business, um, because I can pretty much motivate myself in terms of the drive and slaying day to day. Um, But the biggest one that's calling to mind would have to be... Oh, it's so hard to pick one. Um, I would say Peaceful Mind, Peaceful Life. And it's a yeah. nonprofit that's dedicated. You share them a lot, don't you? Oh, you, you know them? Uh, you share them a lot, don't you? I do share them a lot. Yeah. And they are rad. They are a nonprofit that's dedicated to promoting meditation and mindfulness practices. So it's um, really more quotes about keeping kind of your ego at bay and um, promoting a peaceful life. Because isn't that what we all want? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it complements business because, you know, you've got a lot of alpha in business and a lot of goals and a lot of drive. But I do think, you know, in order to have more balance, um, those types of pages, they work really well for me to keep me on point. And it's so hard to pick one because I was sitting here thinking about it too. Who would I pick? Yeah. I have people that aren't in the industry and then I have people that are. Yeah. And, you know, for my industry pick, and, you know, a little bit of a plug for next week's guest is, you know, I love following Sprout because yes. of all the fun ideas. Yes. And there's so the good. industry. I really love Mika Perry mm. and you know, they do a podcast together. And I don't, I don't know if you've heard of Design Pickle, but they, they're out of Scottsdale, actually. Um, they do graphic design and stuff. So, but she's just, I don't know. She's just really neat and organized and unlike my life probably. So maybe I get a little bit of glory out of watching her do it so yes absolutely well cool. do, you ever, do you ever feel like when you're following people um it, it can go from being inspired to almost triggered in a way sometimes it goes to stalking in my I'm like um we're best friends now I think I mean, <laughs> I'm like 
she she posted on her Instagram the other day that she was looking for a part-time assistant. And I'm like, shoot, I've got some time. <laughs> I'm like, is it, you don't have to be local to Scottsdale, do you? I'm like, this is insane. Okay. I'm stalker. No, but yeah, no, I, I, when I follow somebody, I follow them hard. So totally. Like I have like about 10 true Instagram friends that I've never yeah. met, but I feel like they're my ride or die. Yeah, no. And I'm like, I get so much excitement out of seeing people rise to and do it organically too. And there's uh-huh. you know, people I follow. They're like, get really trying to get to that 10,000 followers. Cause that's, you know, when you can do the swipe up feature and I'm like, yeah. oh, I want to get everybody to follow them to help them out. So I'm all about about people supporting people. Um, There's room for everyone to be successful. And the more that you can help promote other people, it'll make yourself feel better as well. And it just more comes to you uh, just from a networking standpoint. And just you rise up in a different level of success when you actually start to make room for everyone. Totally agree. Mm -hmm. Okay. So on to number three. So what's an What's a new technology discovery that you have found that you just love and would like to share with everybody? Okay. Now the, the, the other ones I could give you one, but this is, I, I don't think I can drop this to one. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm okay. But I'm going to do my best to kind of uh, shoot. Okay. The newest technology. I am in mastermind. So I have so many cool technology things that I love, but um So right now I'm currently running a test to see if I can run my business off of my iPad Pro. Um, And I could do about 90% of my work on it, which is awesome because I now I'm traveling with a lighter device as compared to like a MacBook Air. And it's just really cool, right? And um, one of the things that I was really drawn to it was, was the stylus feature. And um, with having corporate clients and individual one-on-one clients and just keeping all of my notes together, I was running through notebooks like crazy. And I'm a writer. I have to write down the notes. I can't type them. So what I love about this um, app that I'm using right now is I'm using GoodNotes and I think it's around eight or nine dollars. Um, so it seemed pricey at first, but I can stylist all the notes during the sessions and then I can literally lasso all of my scribble scratch, um, lasso it and convert it right over to text within a matter of seconds, export it over to my notes and then push it into Word, send it to my assistant and then she can clean it up and format it. So pretty much after my any of my client meetings, I'm able to deliver meeting notes literally within 15 minutes time because the lasso pull actually full pulls basic formatting. So it reduced my assistant's time, which would normally have taken her like 20 minutes. It's now only taking her like five, 10 minutes to clean it up any edits. I so I'm saving that for that reason. And also because um, I, I have like, from a confidentiality standpoint, all my clients notes are in one place. So it, I don't have to worry about like losing a notebook or leaving it behind it's all digitally stored and super organized and it's all stored on my iPad. So I'm loving, loving, loving that one. Um, I am loving um, the Planoly app. That's the one where you schedule all of your Instagram stuff. Yeah, to make it pretty. Um, right? what, I'm, what I'm digging on the latest paid option, and I'm not sure how new this feature is, but it's certainly new to my business as in the last couple of months. I can go in and pre-schedule all of my stories now too. So if I want to um, multi-purpose a piece of content into the story, um, I can not only plan that content piece, I can plan all of the stories so that literally you'll never know this. Sometimes I'm never on Instagram, like for literally three days in a row because everything is planned. So my stories look like they're current when they're not. Um, And it just gives you a little bit of freedom. And I think that that is something, whether you're using Planoly or any of the great apps, um, it is incredible for a time saver. So when you sit down to do your content, um, let's just say you're planning for the week or the month, you can literally write all of your content for whatever time period you're looking for, store it, log it, schedule it, and literally walk away other than just staying engaged in terms of, um, you know, engaging with the people that are engaging on your content. So it's, it's a different sense of freedom on social media. Well, and I think that's something kind of important to, you know, kind of tell people that are out there sitting at their desks, you know, thinking I can't do the social media stuff because I don't have time throughout the day. I, you know, I can't post three things a day. So and what day do you pick usually to do your content? I do content um, on days where I'm in flow and feeling really creative. So if I try to push content in a day where I'm super, super busy and have to have a lot of my meetings that are 
really systematic and like more property management style where you're going in and maybe editing and making revisions to policy and, and, you know, using that side of your brain. Um, When I'm in a creative mode, that's when I will do it. And it will really only take, you know, a little bit of time, maybe 20 minutes to an hour. And I will crank out as many posts as I can so that I know that I'm in flow and I can get more of them out during that time than trying to say, okay, on Mondays at three o'clock to four o'clock, I'm going to do content. Because the reality is, is if I sit down three o'clock to four o'clock on Monday and I'm not really in that creative mode, I might come up with like three posts. It feels like a lot of force um, and it just, it doesn't come out as nicely as what I would want. So I look for those moments um, and it usually averages um, one to two days a week, about 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah. And that's, that's so true. Forced creativity just never happens. So yeah, um, it's, totally it's just like a lost cause. It's literally like hitting your head against the wall and expecting something like to good to come out of that. Yeah. <laughs> So true. But you have to, you will never, social media will run you if you don't sit down and plan your content. Like that is the, you. that's step one. You have to plan the content so that you can then show up to purely just engage and you can then troll other potential prospects, right? You can look at their content, like their stuff, make them feel really important. Make sure you're taking care and nurturing the people that are following you and commenting on your stuff. But if you're showing up to write the post, put the stories up, and then engage, you're you're wasting way too much time on there where that prep of content to me is like really, it, it's a matter of really excelling in social media versus just doing social media. Totally true. Yeah, right. So are those your two? Oh, man. Yeah, I guess <laughs> so many more. Um, yeah, let's just stick with those for now. <laughs> okay. Well, I and I had a, an interesting phone call today that um, I don't know if you've heard of Lease Hawk. Yeah, 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 I was looking so, for them a couple of years ago at NAA. Yeah, so now they have this new thing. It's their AI, which is called ACE. Um, uh-huh. According to them, they're the only people in the industry to have this. So um, when anyone calls and they don't answer their phone calls, they now have a Siri-like person, AI computer, that will answer all of their leasing questions and set appointments for them. And it is up to, I believe, a 40% conversion rate. So isn't that amazing? I'm like, I'm so excited to implement that because I think 60% of most properties phone calls are missed now. So, and then also, you know, who you can, you know, advertise to people, especially millennials that don't want to talk to somebody, you can call and talk to a robot. So I thought that was cool. I love that. Me too. Do you have any clients that are on it yet? I don't. You know, I did Lease Hawk maybe three years ago. Yeah. And um, but this has been, I think, within the last couple months that they've rolled this out. So yeah, um, I love them. They're always cutting edge and coming up with new stuff. When I was an influencer for them, I um, I noticed at that time they were they had something else that was like super tech forward, super savvy, and just extremely impressive. And I think the other thing that's important is it works. You know, they're not just putting things on the market that are just that are just on the market. They actually do work. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I know. And they've got the analytics to back it up. I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm 100% on board for that. So that's my cool find this week. And it just happened to happen today. So I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, we could literally do an entire session just on techie things. Like oh. I, yeah, I'm, I'm such a nerd when it comes to stuff like Me this. Too. I, could, <laughs> I could just scroll through the internet and just find new stuff. That, that could be my job. <laughs> Let's create one. <laughs> yeah. How much does that pay? Okay. So that's our three questions that will be asked every week by our guest. Um, I may or may not throw in, I probably won't be reading something different by then, but um, I'll probably give my answers as well. Yeah. So you see, now you started in student housing around 1998 at 19 years old. As a community assistant. Are you really dating me back that old guy? I am. 1998. I mean, yeah. let me be honest. I was in high school. <laughs> so, yeah. For so the- how, tell me about your CA days. Where'd you start? I went to LSU. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Um, uh, and I basically was living in a random apartment and Purpose Built had just started. There was a university commons and then a Sterling University was being built next door, you know, and I really wanted to move into the fancier deal. So I, you know, were you at first? 
What's that? Were you a Sterling at first? Yep. I was a community oh, assistant oh. Uh, for Dinnerstein. Yeah. Yep. Me too. That's where I started. Yeah. They had the greatest uh, foundation, right? It was just them really in JPI back then, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it was awesome. So those were the days. So I basically had to talk my parents into, I tried, I, did, I failed. I tried to talk my parents into paying this expensive rent and they were like, no, you need to go get a job. So I walked in and like basically sold myself to get the job and to get the apartment. Um, and you know, I, and then like, they were not so like at first, like another person walked in, like another prospect. And then I just like took over and started showing them everything about the unit, you know, in the floor plans and just took over. And then they hired me like literally on the spot. It was pretty funny. I love it. Yeah. Cause like, I was basically just telling the prospect the stuff that I liked about the unit and like the stuff that I tried to sell my parents on that they were like, yeah, no. Um, and, so, and that's still the best sales technique there is to this day. I mean, yeah. sell the love. Yes. Yes. So that was pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, it's good times. Good times. So after your CA position, how mm-hmm. long were you there? Three years. As a CA. Mm-hmm. And then... I cross trained. So I, I would work like with the assistant manager and the leasing manager just because um, I just really wanted to learn as much as I could about business. So I kind of proactively would just ask to help out and like teach me something. Right. Um, it's just kind of how my brain always is. I love to learn I'm kind of nerdy like that. Um, so after that, uh, the manager position came open when I was basically graduating um, and they rejected me. They said I couldn't get the job because I was too young. They might not have said it in those words, but it certainly was definitely not having the experience. And I was like, well, I cross-trained my whole time in college. I did all of these things. And then um, ironically enough, the JPI deal um, needed a manager and they hired me. So I literally went and uh, jammed over there. And I spent about six months there, filled the property up by like April. So we filled up really early. And then um, I was with First Worthing, so that's this company, but it was an original JPI deal. Sorry about that. Um, and then because I filled so early, they acquired a deal in Tempe, Arizona at ASU. So um, I got transferred to manage that deal. And that was a big challenge because the deal in Tempe was a, was a really big community, but it was a conventional asset that was getting uh, converted to student housing in a pretty rough area in Tempe. Um, And I had to battle kind of the rough area as well as learn conventional and then convert it to student housing. So get rid of the conventional residents as well as um, flip it, you know, so and I had to do that in a really quick amount of time from April till August. Right. So um, we were successful in that lease up and I stayed there for probably about three, three years ish, maybe four. Okay, And I did not know. That you actually, I didn't know you worked in Tempe. I just kind of, for whatever reason, thought you just wound up in Scottsdale for, I don't know why really, but I didn't yeah, know. Um, when I got transferred, it was supposed to be for a year. That's what we had agreed to. I would move from for a year. And um, yeah, that, that turned into many years. <laughs> so you were a property manager there for three years. Mm-hmm. And then what? Then... Um, I had been talking about wanting to get into leasing and marketing. And at the time, there really wasn't many positions in leasing and marketing and student housing. So talk about the right time at the right place. Um, Pretty much after about that third year, um, GMH started the regional leasing specialist position. And I was recruited for that position. Um, And it was awesome because I was ready to really be in corporate leasing and marketing. So um, I jumped from First Worthing over to to GMH. um, And it was a very... Um, supported role because the company, I was very verbal in wanting to be in leasing and marketing. So they were actually really excited for me to make that move. They just couldn't offer the position at the time because they didn't have the growth. So um, stepped over there and that is where I met you, my friend. And we worked oh together for many years How there. How young were we? Uh-huh. I think, I think I was 23. Um, I was like 24-ish. No, you so were younger. Yeah. You were younger because I was only like 24. So I guess maybe, well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I was super young, super inexperienced. I was like, what am I doing? No, yeah. and I, I remember I had to, um, I applied for that position and got turned down and said, you can't do it until you have property manager experience. So that was why I had to spend a year as a um, GMH property manager. So I forgot about 
about that. Yeah, but yeah. wouldn't you agree? I mean, you don't have to be a GM, but it gives you a different oh, level yeah, totally. of um, I, expertise in that role. I value that experience beyond measure. Yeah. I mean, I had 480 beds as a 20-year-old. I was 20 when I was 19 or 20 as a property manager. Yeah. 480 beds. I cannot imagine that now. I'm like, yeah. how, did I, how did I do that? I so, know. I yeah, know. So but that's that what I love was, about the industry. It doesn't discriminate against age and it truly is a performance-based industry. So it's like whatever you want to do, as long as you're performing and delivering results, you can totally do whatever you want to do. If you set oh, your mind. Yeah. As long as you prove yourself, nobody cares how old you are. Exactly. And then eventually you end up like, oh, now I'm yeah. older. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And you've traveled for a decade or two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those days, what were we on the road? 48 weeks a year at GMH? I remember. I mean, you guys, 48 freaking weeks a year. Like, that's a lot of weeks. Yeah. I mean, we and became grown, though. Sorry, so what, did you you, what would you say your your number one travel trip travel tip that you learned over all that time? What would you say? Because you still travel a lot. But what did you learn yeah. from those days of pretty much traveling every week except for you probably even traveled during Christmas to go home. So what's yeah. what something you took away from that? Well, I never unpacked because it was like, what was the point? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I still don't um, this day. <laughs> but I used to have this trick. So I was never really like comfortable in like work clothes. So what I would do is I would travel in like really, really comfy clothes. And then I would have my like fancier outfit, like in my carry on, um, like as in like literally like in my purse type carry on. And never check a bag. Everything's always on board. But um, and then I would get dressed in the airport when I arrived, like really quick. I mean, my hair and everything was ready, but I just needed to like change into the clothes, and that made the travel much easier. And also, like in the event that you have to like run in the airport, you're in something a little bit more comfortable. Although one time I got busted, I got to the airport, changed because I was already like dressed for work and I was flying home, changed, and then like walked past my boss looking like kind of like a scrub, and I was like, oh my gosh. This is so embarrassing, but you know what? It just really helped out in terms of like peaceful traveling. <laughs> oh no. I mean, I think the first, first few maybe months I dressed for the airport, but then that went out the window pretty quickly. And yeah, I always was super comfortable and totally. You know, but I will was- say, you know, talking back about like those creative modes, like when you find your creative mode, my best work is done on a plane. So I'm not the person that actually like, wants to watch a movie or like read a book, like crank, like for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the vibration or what, but I can get some like really, really great, great creative work done on planes. And I just love my, it. My best sleep happens on a plane. <laughs> hey, you got to get what you get when you can get it. Right. I will sleep before the thing takes off. I'm a pro. Yes. <laughs> that, I think that's probably my biggest takeaway is I'm now a world-class sleeper. I don't know <laughs> if you remember this, but you and I went to Italy and I slept the entire flight and I think that was eight or nine hours. Yeah. And the woman next to me was like, I was afraid you might have died. Yes. <laughs> Tell them about this yeah. trip. The company paid for us to go. It's a bonus, yeah. Trip, right? Yeah, it was performance bonus. Yeah. So we all went to was it two weeks? It seems like it was longer than a week. It was definitely longer than a week and it was five star. It was super fancy. Oh yeah. I remember getting massages in our rooms and no, those were some good memories. Definitely. Yeah. It was good time. Sure there's going to be lots of people that listen to this, po- to this podcast that went on that trip that have some pretty funny stories. Oh yeah. Good time. So after <laughs> you, yeah, after you um, went to GMH, you were the regional leasing specialist. And then what happened after that? Um, again, timing was in timing was in my favor in such a great way. So I had a successful career at GMH. Um, and of course I wanted, you know, bigger, I wanted more because I, I had set this goal in the beginning, like back, even when I was in college, I had set this goal that I wanted to make this industry, my career, and I wanted to be in charge of leasing and marketing. And again, just again, back then there really wasn't that many opportunities in leasing and marketing. So, um, I'm a big set your goals every year, three years, five years, so on and so forth. So now we're about halfway through my corporate career. And um, because timing was in my favor, GMH went public, which meant the, which meant the portfolio like doubled and tripled in size at exponential rates. So what ended up happening and what qualified me for my next role was that my portfolio at the time at GMH had more beds than 
the total portfolio at the time of Campus Advantage. And they were yeah. in a, getting ready to get into a growth mode where they were going to hire their first national director of leasing and marketing. And I also wanted the goal to be to where I was the first regional, I was the first director of leasing and marketing because I wanted to set up all of the policies and the department the way I wanted it to. I didn't want to inherit someone else's department. Well, that's a hard goal because it's like, how do you find that, right? You're yeah. technically going behind someone. So that part also came true, which was really epic for me. So I, again, left GMH in, in very good light. Like I didn't leave any of these jobs in any kind of a bad light. The company supported the next move because they knew, because again, I verbalized where I wanted to be in all of my reviews. I made that very ver- uh, v- uh, vocal. So there were no surprises if they couldn't give me what I wanted in time, right? So I moved over to uh, Campus Advantage and spent, um, I want to say over six years there and really developed my um, senior level leadership skills there, which was an awesome experience. Um, and I was able to come on it as a national director of leasing and marketing and then um, work my way up to VP um, and then stayed in leasing and marketing there for about four years and then transitioned into um, business development, which gave me the skills to be able to now run my own business because I had to shift from being in PM to actually selling the management services to high institutional, um, sorry, high net worth individuals and institutional clients. So it was literally like a career change because I was used to doing PM for so many years from going from there and working with big teams and like trainings and all of that and going on site and helping people from going there to like literally being a full-time salesperson where you have this database and you're cold calling and you're flying around pitching deals for management service. It was literally a career change, but, and it was a very hard transition for me because it was something so new, but it gave me the confidence to know that I could run my own business because in order to have your own business, you have to be able to pitch and sell. You can't run a business without that. Um, And I did not have that experience prior. So hardest transition, however, was the most beneficial to launch me to the next step, which is now where I'm here. And I've been um, six years consulting and high performance coaching in the business and in other industries as well. So I can't believe that. So you're a VP, you got to the VP status before you were even 30 years old. So that's pretty yeah, crazy. Yeah, 29, 29, 28 or 29. Yeah. That's crazy. And, and another, another funny thing is, yeah, you never really wanted to be up against campus advantage for um, a management deal. So you guys had quite the reputation for, Closing the deal. So definitely, you know, Thank you. did a good job there for sure. Thank you. So I love you there. I, I have nothing but the greatest things to say about them. I have, I mean, it was, I'm still in touch with a lot of the people over there. Not many, but, um, and very grateful to uh, the CEO and owner, Mike Peter. I mean, he mentored me and really helped develop uh, my leadership skills. And um, yeah, they're, they're an awesome group. They Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you spent your time there and then one day you said no more. So what <laughs> happened? Well, um, you know, I, I battled some stress issues. So what happened was I was all career um, and I had really no identity outside of my career. I was on this mission from a really young age. So literally, I think I was 19 by the time I decided I want this industry to be my career. I was like on a mission to climb that ladder as fast as I could possibly climb it. I was setting these goals 24 seven. These goals were happening. They were becoming real. Like one of the goals was literally become a VP before you're 30. And that happened at like 28 or 29, like I mentioned. So imagine literally like living, breathing, waking up, going to sleep, thinking about these goals and performing against these goals to be able to attain these goals, but never really stopping. So it's like being in sixth gear for years and never downshifting, you know, and eventually your car, your transmission is going to give out, right? Eventually, if there's no maintenance going into that. So that's the easiest way I can compare it to is I gave my body no maintenance. I gave my energy field no maintenance. I had no well-being or wellness or work-life balance. I was all work. So truthfully, I think, you know, one of the reasons my success skyrocketed is because this was the only thing I thought about 24-7 like 24 seven. Um, so, um, and you know, stress is no joke. Like stress is going to show up and it's going to look differently for everyone. So in my stress, what happened was I, I created a stress rash. So it looked 
kind of like leprosy. It was disgusting. It was foul. And what it was, was it was a result of taking too many antibiotics. And because I was a road warrior and I didn't stop, of course, my immune system started to get compromised and I was getting like sinus infection after sinus infection, right? So this rash shows up and the doctor, you know, basically was like, you need to slow down. The only way this rash is going to go away, like there's nothing topical you can take. There's nothing, um, there's nothing you can take except you have to slow down. And here's the thing. I really believe the stuff we get are, are given is sometimes a gift. And what I mean by this was that the only way this rash was going to heal because it, it actually built on internal and external heat. And I lived in Arizona. So you walk outside, it's blazing hot, right? Yeah. I'm a super fiery personality. So if I'm telling you a story, my body heat, my body temperature is like rising. So this rash grew like a garden. So if it, it forced me to be quiet, it literally, it would not allow me to talk because I'm so fiery. Even now you could probably hear it in my voice. I'm a fiery personality. So I'm building heat. So what do you think is happening to the rash? It's growing. So of course, when the doctor tells me this, I'm like, yeah, okay, I got things to do. Like, I'm not, I'm not slowing down. Like, no, this is just a freaking rash. You give me a topical, let's move on, you know? Um, but I'll never forget this. Um, I didn't listen. And the doctor said, you know, it, it's, it shouldn't go up to your face, but if it does, we have a bigger problem. And I was like, okay. And I went to give a speech at the apartment internet marketing conference, um, and I'll never forget this. I brought like for, for whatever reason, I had a long sleeve dress and I don't know why, cause it was in orange County. There's no reason to have that, but thank goodness I had a long sleeve dress. Cause this rash grew like triple the pace than what it was when I had arrived and it had made it up to my face. And oh. so at that point, when I looked at myself in the mirror, not from a vanity standpoint, just because this thing literally looked like leprosy. Um, when I looked in the mirror that morning, I was like, I, I, I can't. I can't do this anymore. So um, I gave my speech. And at that point, I um, I quit my job. I just quit. I was like, I'm out. Literally. And some people think that was impulsive. But at that point, I had just uh, like something had to give. Um, and so what was awesome about the company was they um, they were like, no, you know, please don't quit. Um, how about we look at a leave of absence? You know, that kind of a thing, um, like a medical leave, right? And I was like, no, you know, at first I just was like, you know, this is, I was really freaking out because I mean, this like was just like a complete body takeover. Right. Um, so I agreed to take the leave of absence. Um, and during that leave of absence is when I was able to find a wellness program. I was able to find yoga. I found meditation. Um, it forced me to be really quiet to get rid of this rash and to heal the rash. And it took the full six weeks to heal it. Um, and what I had found during that leave of absence was that a lot of this was self-induced, right? I was definitely a workaholic. Um, and I went through kind of what an addict would go through. Like I blamed them for the first two weeks. It was their fault when actually they asked me to take my vacation time like every year. They reminded me to take it and I refused to take it, you know? So, um, so I went through like the normal process of like denial and then acceptance and all of that kind of stuff. Um so when I healed everything and started to really take care of myself, I agreed, I made a commitment to myself that I was going to go back, but I had to agree to go back differently. Like I wouldn't be a rock star and I had to be okay. I had made these stories up. Like I had to be okay with staying with where I was and my growth was pretty much tapped out because I couldn't work at the pace that I was working at. Yeah. So I made these, these commitments to myself. And so I turn up, you know, and I've got this, you know, what was the beginnings of my work-life balance work that I had, you know, started to incorporate. And I went back and I, and I made a commitment that I would never let that rash come back. So whatever I had to do to protect my energy field, that rash was not allowed to come back because it was considered abusive. You know, it was self-induced if you really think about it. Right. So, um, <laughs> you with me still? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm like intrigued. I'm over here. Like <laughs> cool. Um, and so when I went back, so that, let me just give you just a time frame. It, that was, I was like, uh, that was like 2010 to give you an idea. So I went back for another probably two years. Um, and then I started, this is where the aha comes in. That's when I got another promotion into the operations and then another promotion into business development. And I was like, Which probably meant more work, right? Well, it, it wasn't necessarily more work, but the business development, it was learning a new job. So yeah. it definitely, it definitely was more work. But what was the most aha and intriguing part for me is I was set that if I had balance, 
I wasn't going to get noticed and I wasn't going to get promoted anymore. Like I would be shunned. Like I'm not AKA working hard kind of a thing, even well, though you know, right? that, was, that was pushed into our brain pretty early on. Oh, totally. Totally. Right. Um, yeah. so the ironic part was I still showed up. I still did my, my deliverables. I still was very proactive. I still hustled like none of that changed, but I didn't allow the stress to interfere with my space. I had hobbies. I had an outlet. I had yoga. I had meditation. I had found these things that were tools that were helping me stay very peaceful and very grounded. Um, and so as those two years were going on, I was like, well, I, it, it felt almost as if I was living in the same life, but two different ways. And I had quickly realized that I had spent so many years doing it so much harder than it needed to be. And that you can still be a complete badass. You can still be super successful. You can still get promoted, even if you have a life outside of your work, even if you have quote unquote work-life balance. So during that time is when I really felt like I needed to like really intersect like my passion and my purpose. And that was, I felt as though that I wasn't the only person that was struggling with stress. I wasn't the only person that their work was tied to their identity. And I wanted to help people. Um, you know, implement their own work-life balance um, from a safety perspective. So that's when I stepped out and um, started my own business. And work-life balance is the foundation of all the work that I'm doing. Um, and my goal is so that people, like leaders, entrepreneurs, um, corporate teams, executives, have sustainability for the long haul of their entire career without letting stress be a culprit. And so that's, that's, I mean, that's the foundation of what I'm doing right now. So it's pretty rad. So I have a couple of questions then. So you were in the business development role when you left, correct? Yep. So what made you, what made you say, I'm, I'm done after that? Well, you know, cause you, I know you started your own business after that, but what after those two years? Cause you'd kind of gotten that work-life balance down at that point, hadn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm always, I, I mean, I don't think that nothing changes in terms of like, once you have work-life balance in your life, in terms of like your goals, like you're, I'm always going to set goals. So financially, um, I wanted to earn more. Um, and I also am always looking for kind of where I can elevate and operate and be the best version of myself in terms of where can I elevate. And I got to a point in, in the corporate world where I was pretty tapped out um, in terms of earning. And I was pretty tapped out and there's no, there wasn't that many other places for me to grow into in the company. So, you know, I had to take a long, hard look at it. Um, And when I looked at the business development experience and how that relates, and it was universal in any business that you're working in, I felt that I had, I had the foundation and the skills to spread my wings and take a big leap of faith. Um, And that's, it was, you know, it was considered risky. I mean, people were like, what are you doing? You know, but I did it. Oh yeah. I know. I remember when you, when you did it, I was like, oh wow, I could never, I'd be so afraid. Um, so when you took that step out, did you have a plan in place? Did you know exactly what you were going to do? Did you have any backup or were you just like, okay, here it goes. There wasn't really a backup, um, but I I will say it changed dramatically. What I had thought was going to happen was I was going to be a full-time yoga teacher. Um, yeah. And little did I know, talk about not doing some due diligence, people, okay? Like, there are more people in Los Angeles. Oh, by the way, we forgot to say, at some point, I end up in LA. I'm in Santa Monica. Yeah. Um, so from Arizona over. But so now we're in LA, and I'm going to try to be this big-time full-time yoga teacher. And there are more people trying to be yoga teachers and actors in this town, okay? Oh, yeah. Everybody has a headshot. (laughs) Right. I mean, like it it was, you know, so I gave that a good couple of months. And then I I truly believe that a lot of what has been complimentary to my career is a lot of really good timing. So this is no joke. Like, I can't make this up. So right when um, I was doing the yoga thing for about six months and I was still posting about business because, I mean, I didn't want to give up all of that street cred. Right. And I didn't know how this whole thing was going to turn out. I thought I would share this message to people on their yoga mats, which would mean all you know people that are working, coming after work, you teach them on the mat. Well, USC started to really develop their off-campus housing. And I was, I think, to my knowledge, the only person out here in California. So I was able to really tap into some really great contracts 
um, and go down there and consult for them at USC because student housing was relatively new. I mean, there's a handful of projects out here, but um, I managed for, I, I consulted, not managed, I consulted for um, Jeff Palmer's group, the Lorenzo. So there yeah, was a two phase. I doing that project. I remember yeah. that. it was new construction, right? Yeah. And it was a two phase lease up. So it was 2,600 beds for the first phase and then 4,650 for the second phase. And um, I took it on. And to be honest, I got so many calls from people in the biz that were like, you are stupid for taking that. Like, it's not going to be successful. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, to be honest, like, I, I feel like I can do it. And like the worst thing that happens, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not successful, but yeah. how would you know if you didn't try? Right. Um, and I'm triggered. I was triggered by the market because I did have a pretty big professional hiccup in that market. So I was a little fearful of the market. Um, and when I did it and we, you know, it just was funny how people were like trying to talk you out of it. And I think that's just always a good thing to know is like, don't let anyone else dump their story on you because it's like, if you want to do it, like, like I'm the type of person, if you tell me I can't, I'm going to do it. If you tell me there's no way I'm going to find a way, like that's just my personality. So that kind of stuff actually motivates me. But I do want to just say, I had that, like, I had that fear because the market had duped me once. Right. But I didn't let that happen. I used people telling me not to do it as, as like motivation. And, and then we crushed it, we built it, and then I was able to say, you know, my consulting business helped lease up at the time the largest, the largest purpose-built deal in the country. Um, so that really put me on the map, and I got to work with some other smaller developers that aren't as premier as Palmer um, for USC, and um, and it's just it's just been incredible um, to be able to work there, and it's and then it's like moved into other companies that I'm now have helping nationally, but. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's been going on now for about six years. Yeah. And so many people get comfortable in the corporate role and having that safety net, really. And, you know, just having almost like nobody has full eyes on you because always somebody else could take the blame. I don't know. I don't, maybe that makes sense. But if you're out on your own, all eyes are on you and you're either doing it all the way or they yeah. see you fall. So it's kind of like people get comfortable in that safety net of the corporate role. So, I mean, it's hard to say goodbye to it, but when you do and you're like, oh, I did this all by my damn self. So, I mean, exactly, exactly. And it really puts, you know, cause here's one of the things that I'll say, um, you know, what, what other people say about you is none of your business. Don't ever entertain if someone's like, oh, such and such said something like, like don't even hear it because it's only going to set back your, your progress. Cause you're going to be distracted. Yeah, I made that um, up a so, long time ago. <laughs> right? I mean, like, truthfully, like, if you're like, I mean, you know this about me, and I've told you this many times. I'm like, if I need to know that someone's saying something bad, just say, yes, it's bad, and I don't want to know the details. Um, because it sets you back, and you're not able to tap into your genius zone, and you can't be your best version of yourself in that way, and you can't operate at your most optimal level if you're distracted by someone um, what they're saying about you because you're in defense mode because you're trying to defend what it is they're saying. And the reality is, is what they're saying about you is truly their own perception of themselves that they're seeing in you. Um, so it's going to upset you and it's going to distract you, which is counterproductive to what you're trying to do, right? Absolutely. So, um, you know, I think going back to what you were saying, it's like you did it your own damn self, which is exactly right. So no matter what people are going to say, because this is the reality, people are going to talk about you, especially if you're successful. It's just the nature of it. Um, and I don't think people even mean to be jerks about it, but people just jealousy sparks and and people will talk and it's easier to talk about people than to talk about innovative things. And sometimes we just all fall victim to it. I'm not saying that I haven't either. We all have, right? Oh yeah. But, and you know, it's, it's funny because there's so many women in this industry that, and you and I both know this because we have a pretty solid circle yeah. and, you know, then there's, there's a couple people out there that don't want to join that circle and want to stay, you know, you, you'll, you'll run into the caddy, the cattiness. And it's funny over the years, and you and I've been doing this for a very long time and have seen lots of people come and go, but we've stayed, you know, supportive of other women. And it's so important to me to find that niche, find your girlfriends in this industry. You know, guys can make their guy, you know, guy friends, whatever, but girls, if, you know, if you get if you get that good girl group going, you can rule the industry for sure. I mean, oh, I completely agree. And I think if you can operate from a sensor is room for everyone and you're not threatened by anyone. And together we can be stronger as an industry and improve the industry. Then you're in a you're in a situation where it's just like it's like all embracing and the industry rises up 
not you rise up, I rise up, my business does well. It's like the industry rises. And I mean, I have to get behind a bigger mission. Otherwise it's like, it's boring to me if not. So like, I'm, I'm really good friends with Barb and them at, at Sprout. You obviously, I mean, tons of friends, but it's like, you know, whether, even if there are like situations where there's like a conflict of interest, I don't care. I want to embrace and surround myself with as much talent and strength so that I can continue to rise up higher. No, I'm the same way. I told, I told her yesterday, I told Barb from Sprout, I was like, she was talking about her uh, her blog post. And I said, you know, that's just my weakness is content. I I really am not really, I don't like to sit down and write. And she's like, you know, that's my strength. I was like, well, there you go. You know, that's something you and I should get together on because, you know, I got the, you know, I've got other aspects that I'm good at. And she's like, Oh, I suck at that. And, you know, so everybody yeah. has something they're really, really good at. And then their weaknesses. And I told her, I was like, I hate finances from the bottom of my heart. You know, I did that year, you know, I've been a property manager at other times, but when I had to, you know, get that budget ready and deal with, you know, variance reports, yeah. you know, that crushes my marketing mentality 100%. So I think it's also important to to state your strengths and your weaknesses and not feel vulnerable to say those because like, for example, I'm probably the worst person to run run a turn. I I probably out of the top five worst people to do turn. I'm definitely probably one of them. And I have no problem. The most fun to do turn with. What's that? I'd say you're probably the most fun to do turn with. (laughs) I am fun, but I'm not good at it, but I can own that and I can fully own that. And that, and I tell my clients like, listen, of course I can help. Of course I can tell you everything not to do because I've probably done it wrong in the first place. Right. But I'm not sitting here trying to say that I'm a turn expert. Can I contribute? Yes. But I have no shame in my game to say, this is something I'm actually pretty terrible at. Um, so that everybody knows what you're working with. And I find in corporations, especially when I'm, cor- I'm sometimes I'm coaching corporate teams, um, people will hide and be a little scared to say what they're not good at, where I feel like if people would just say it, um, then everybody can complement each other's strengths and weaknesses. And then the team's able to operate at a higher level. But this whole keep my weakness close to the vest. I mean, I just think we're living in a time right now where collaboration is everything. And the yeah, more you can see- even going to believe that you're perfect at everything. I mean, there's well, not that yeah. person out there. So my yeah, but there, there's it. still this core. I mean, I'm, I'm consulting quite a bit. I mean, there's still this mentality to keep your weakness close. Um, and I'm not even calling it a weakness, just something maybe you just hate to do, or you're just not that great at, and someone else can do it in a short amount of time. And if they, they find joy in it, then let them do it. You know? Heck yeah. Pay somebody to do those things for sure. Amen. So, Amen. you know, since you've been doing the work-life balance thing and you're working with, you're working with you know, high performance executives, corporate training. How do you, what would you say to somebody right now that's sitting at their desk, um, you know, super stressed out, probably going to work through their lunch, you know, those days, probably going to leave after everyone else, probably get home and eat something really crappy and then veg out on the couch and go to bed. What would you tell those people that either, you know, just started out or they've been doing this for a long time and, you know, probably don't have any change in sight. Mm. That's the reality with people that I first start working with. That is their life. Um, And I love being able to help transform that experience. Um, It's one of my most favorite things to do, but for the sake of time, um, I'm trying to condense this uh, short and sweet for you. you know, there's an easier way to go about all of that. Totally easier way. And I would just say learning just from the story that I shared and how stress took over my body, learning from my mistakes um, and not allowing the stress component to risk your health. Like it's not worth it. That's the first thing I'm going to say right now. And it's not going to show up as a rash for you. It might, but it's going to show up in a different way. Like you might have a heart attack. You might throw up like there it's going to show up maybe you have massive like diarrhea I don't know but your stress will eventually take over and start to give you signs until your body's like no more right so that's number one I would also say if you're not taking any breaks and going straight through like let's say sixth gear every single day you are by choice allowing stress in um so the the first tip I will say in terms of how to make a difference in your day is start to quantify the things that are coming on your plate and realize that not everything has to be done right then in that moment and not everything is categorized at a level 10. 
So save your tens for the big things in the business, such as fire, flood, and blood. Those are your tens, right? Yep. Maybe your CEO or a high profile client is emailing you about something that they need pretty quickly. Because of this, uh, the statue of that person, it might be a level eight. Like you do need to maybe stop what you're doing to get that information over, right? But it doesn't necessarily have to qualify as an eight in terms of stress, right? Because it's still not fire flood. It does mean that you might have to stop what you're doing to go do that, but it shouldn't involve any stress or any nerves. So be very particular in what you allow to be stressful versus not. And I know that this sounds crazy because you're like, how am I going to find the time for this? But you've got to plug in five minute breaks every 50 something. I think it's like 52 minutes. That's going to be your most optimal productivity you're going to be able to get because eventually your brain, um, your brain can continue to perform and you can still continue to crush it. But if you want to maximize your brain's performance every 52 minutes, you want to take a quick break. And that break can be three to five minutes. That break could literally be 10 deep breaths, but you've got to take a break. So think about it as a reset, like a breaker box. It's going to reset your prana, your breath flow, which is your life force. It gives your brain an opportunity to reset. Um, and it gives you think about like how many times you reset your computer, you have to reset things so that they have a better chance to, to um, perform. Um, so those are the biggest things. Um, and I also just want to share it because I think this is helpful. But, you know, when you are registering everything at a level 10, so a boss's email, a resident comes in complaining, traffic jam, right, you are triggering your nervous system to go into fight or flight. And our fight or flight you know, was designed in like primal days where, you know, a freaking tiger's running after you and you're running to save your life. Or there's, you know, a baby underneath the car and you see the mother lift the car with this primal force. That's what fight or flight is. And our society is literally living in fight or flight. And there are things that happen within the body that you cannot prevent. So like, for example, I mean, I just want to give you a couple of these because if someone doesn't know this, like, This isn't like this woo-woo, like work-life balance, you should have balance and you need to take breaks. Like this is why you want to take breaks because if you're registering these tens in and you are tipping off your um, fight or flight mode, right? What ends up happening, you're in your sympathetic nervous system. Your eyes will literally dilate. And the reason why they're going to dilate is so that they can focus better and so that they can see in the dark because literally primal days, there was no electricity so that you could see the animal that was going to attack you. So if you're in fight or flight, you can literally look in the mirror and see that your eyes are dilated. And so when I was first phasing out into my work-life balance, I because I was always in fight or flight, I would literally carry a mirror around with me to look at my eyes because I didn't know any difference. I didn't really know because I was always in fight or flight for the most part. Like literally your digestion, you're going to create a bunch of belly, a bunch of belly fat because what's happened is as you... Um, Your digestion slows down. Your blood will literally move away from your belly into your muscles in your brain. Um, Your heart rate accelerates. Your blood will literally thicken so that if you are like bit, let's say by the tiger or something, you don't taste good to the tiger and you, um, uh, you won't bleed out. Like literally, like this is how our body is completely functioning. And it's slowing down any organ function that is not seen as like essential to like for immediate survival. So that is literally what we're doing when we're allowing ourselves to register all of these small minute things. That is the expectations of our society. That's the expectations of our jobs, right? So really having a balance of how these things, when they're coming across your desk, how you're letting them in or not in to your like energy field. No, I love that. And, I, you know, I feel like we could talk for like an hour just about work-life balance because I've I've always been a proponent of, you know, I'll never forget um, the president of the company I work for that he will say, you know, I don't remember them giving out awards for the most lunch breaks not taken. So, you know, it's like you're not going to get any further. You're not going to get recognized. You're not going to get your promotion because you worked through lunch. I promise you, nobody's going to look down on you because you got out from behind your desk and had some sanity. They're probably going to appreciate it. So I I really, really, you know, as so many people, I have this conversation a lot and I'm like, take your lunch break. And people are like, what lunch break? I mean, it's not, it's, it's your time. Why are you giving the company an extra hour unpaid of your time? Take that. And I would say, 
I would say at a minimum, like, you know, it's not always conducive to leave. It's just never really been a norm in the biz, like to leave to go out for lunch. However, I would say at a minimum, shut your computer, put your phone aside. And, you know, even if you're not taking the full hour, let's just say you're taking 30 minutes, whatever the case may be, but like sit down and actually have lunch and eat and don't, don't like, you know, garbage disposal, your food down your throat, like actually eat and enjoy your lunch. And then again, think of it as a reset so you can perform at an even higher optimal level when you come back to opening up your computer. It's really, really important. Um, you know, I feel like our society does this too. Like there's this, um, like equation, like hard work equals success. And like, there's this validity that it has to be hard to prove that you've shown up, like you've turned up and done the job. When, you know, one of the other pieces I work with a lot of my clients on is like, I'm going to teach you the path path of least resistance, not to be confused with cutting corners, right? And and like not doing it great. You're still going to have great quality. But I, I teach clients how to like really see that just because it's hard, just because you put the time in doesn't necessarily equate to success. Exactly. Nope. I totally agree with that. You know, and so I, it's like the saying working smarter, not harder, you know, yeah. I'm a big, big proponent in that. And like I help proponent in that and I help people find efficiencies and just ways to make the process easier and quicker. Love it. Mm-hmm. So you've got some pretty cool things coming up in 2019, maybe um, a little bit exciting, kind of a repeat of what you did at the, at the end of last year, I believe. What did, what do you got coming up? Ooh, um, so Bali, Indonesia, you know, just halfway around the globe, hashtag no big deal, right? <laughs> um, I have always wanted to put retreats into my business where I've, I've envisioned very small groups um, coming together to network, to transform, to really, really drive home the work-life balance component and for people to really reconnect with their soul um, and come back super recharged so that um, they don't need a vacation from their vacation and they're fully recharged to basically take on the next year from when they've gone on the trip. Um, so I've got a soul vacation is what I call it. Um, and it's to Bali and it's a combo of mindset coaching, uh, yoga, tons of adventure. It's pretty awesome. Um, we did it last September. And of course, I picked the date for student housing. I don't think the rest of my industry people, the other industries I work with realize why it's September. I picked September because it's like, when can you actually go, right? And it's yeah. after the lease up, but right before budgets. And there really is never any perfect time as we've all no. kind of all started to learn. So um, it's over Labor Day so that there's one less day um, that you have that people have to take off of work. Um, and it's really for leaders entrepreneurs, executives, um, creatives. Um, it's a great group and uh, small, intimate. It's pretty awesome. So that's coming up. And then that's, like I said, over Labor Day. And then I have a program that's coming out um, in a couple of weeks. So stay tuned and um, check out my website or my Instagram for those details. But it's going to be resources and um, pep talks and meditations and um, breath techniques, like things that people can have that are going to be accessible to them um, to be able to basically have resources throughout their day and how to utilize their breaks and things like that. Awesome. So speaking of Instagram, how can our listeners find you? Ooh, um, okay. My handle is Casey V Yoga. So that's C-A-S-E-Y, V as in Victor, Yoga, Y-O-G-A. And go ahead and write in the comments like, hey, girl, listen to you on Leasing Leah's podcast and I'll follow you back because I love to follow people back. So hit me on that. Um, And what else was I going to say? Oh, for the upcoming program as well. um, It's not launched, but when you see it, um, if you I'll give the listeners of this podcast a discount, just use the coupon code Casey. Let's just do Leasing Leah. So that'll be the coupon code Leasing Leah. Um, I don't know exactly what the pricing structure is going to be just yet, but um, if you if you're interested, I'll make sure that you guys know that, and that'll be an exclusive code just for you guys. Awesome! Yeah. What's your website? Uh, CaseyVanZant.com. Awesome. Well, Casey, I think this was an amazing first podcast. We talked for an hour easily. Um, (laughs) This was great. I knew it would be fun to have you as a first podcast guest. Thank you for helping me break it in smoothly. I appreciate it. And 
Guys, stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe to the next podcast where we will have Sprout Marketing Team talk about marketing, advertising, leasing, all their tips from the all of their tips from um, the apartment industry. So see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in.